With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, Inside Tennis, with Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. I'm Nina, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Irina. How's everyone doing today? We're glad to have you guys listening in, as there's a great episode ahead. We're in the midst of the U.S. Open series, and we're going to talk about the press relationship with players, which is a bit of a stigma around it, as well as Stefano Tsitsipas and his insane few weeks of success that I sort of saw coming, sort of. He's a young player everyone would want to watch closely going into the U.S. Open, there's also a crew of American youngsters we want to watch out for, and that's something that Irina has an inside perspective on. Plus, we've got a lot more coming, so listen closely. Let's start with the press, though. Irina, what's your take on the player relationship with having to do press at every single tournament? All right, let's just start off with the fact that I would not be able to have very good perspective just because I get press maybe a couple tournaments a year. Especially during the U.S. Open, yes, an American playing the U.S. Open, but I wouldn't say that I have press every single week, every single tournament. Now, if you're someone like a top player that is having press every single day, sometimes, can you actually have press more than one time a day? I don't think so, but they'll, they'll do, some of the big players will do press before they even start the tournament. Like they have a big media roundtable day on like maybe the Sunday or Monday, and then after their first match, they'll do press, win or lose. So the top players really have to do a lot of press. So... I am kind of 50-50 on it. One, you need to be a public figure. You want to get your name out there. You want to be heard. You want to be known. You want to get your opinions out there. Totally agree with you should be at least doing a little bit of press. Now, if you are doing it every single day and you're doing it the week before a tournament, I can understand that it can probably get extremely exhausting. And a lot of the times you're saying the same thing, but just wording it a little differently. A lot of the players ask the same questions over and over and over again, and they kind of, I've, I've heard them give the same answers to maybe like go to Tennis Channel Studio and then come to the press room and say the same thing again. Almost impressive that they can manage to, to remember what they said the first time and kind of say it again with a little bit different wording. I'd probably say that I, I can't even imagine what the top players must say when they have played the same person and they've either won the same match, same style, or they've lost to that same person a bunch of times. It's like, okay, I get it. You know, I won today. We had a great match, but there's not really much else that you can possibly say. I mean, I think it's exciting when we do bring up other different topics, ask about other things other than that match that day. And to be honest, I mean, the one thing that I have a hard time with press is when you just got off the court, big match, won a big match, let's say it was like a tight uh, three-setter, you weren't supposed to win, you get off the court, the press just comes, and all it is is like, okay, let's talk about your match, but let's really focus on your next round. It's like, hey, can I just enjoy this for at least, 
you know, a couple of minutes, maybe a couple hours before we have to already be discussing who I'm playing next. And they always, their answers to the next match. Nadal has said he'll always answer the same. He'll always say it's tough opponent, very tough opponent. He's going to say the same thing no matter what. I have to play my best. I have to take every point, you know, and, and try my hardest. Very, very tough. Like it's literally the same questions and the same answers. But at the same time, the, the person in the press room, the person who's asking the question, the reporters all have deadlines and they all have to meet a certain criteria, either a word count or they have to cover a certain angle. And the angle almost always looks ahead because no one's going to read the story about that match two days later. It's going to be about what's happening that next day. It's just weird. It's weird from my perspective because I'm in the press rooms all the time and the player comes in sweaty off the court or they come in really late because they had, you know, they did time for their physio or they did time to, you know, meet with their coaches and stuff or eat dinner or whatever. But it's, it's, it's been so interesting because in Toronto, I was in Toronto, and Alexander Zverev lost this like painful match to Tsitsipas. He had match points. He was up a set in 5-2. I mean, it was, I, you, you feel for the guy. You definitely feel for the guy. But he's also a professional, and he's a famous big name. And he comes in press, and he was not in the mood for it. And he gave really short answers. He, was, he said everyone, he said he played terrible. He said Tsitsipas played terrible. And the way that the, the t- TV channels kind of clipped the quote, it was a question I asked him. And I asked him, um, I, try to, I try to be positive, especially because you, you can see that he's not, he's not happy. He's not in the mood. He's, he's tired. He's just lost a heartbreaker. So I asked a positive question. like, what do you think that Tsitsipas is doing so well to, do, to be on this hot streak? And that's what triggered Zverev to be like, I don't think he played well. This match was pathetic. You know, I'm always very honest with you guys. This was a terrible match. I'm like, well, I didn't really expect that to come out of his mouth. But you kind of have to take it as they're still in the heat of the moment, I think. And, and I, I think people don't see that the press is trying to do their job. And it's this like delicate balance of us asking the same questions over and over again and then answering the same questions over and again. But it's something that has to happen. It's like a, it's like a necessary evil, I guess. I think you're 100% right when it's in the heat of the moment and he did just get off a tough loss. But I think you're one of the rare ones where you're actually trying to see a positive angle from it. Because a lot of people, like you just said, the only thing that everyone, everything I saw on Twitter, everything I saw on Instagram... Everything was about just how Zverev was talking about how uh, Pass played pathetic and how he didn't play very well. So doesn't matter what else he said. Doesn't matter if he like retracted whatever he said before about Pass and how he was playing. That's the only thing that we focused on. And to be honest, I'm not surprised whenever any top player says something that's a little controversial. That's all you hear about. But that's just news in general. It's not necessarily um, your guys' fault. I think it's it's a it's a it's a two way street. That's what we want to hear about. I don't want to hear about Zverev just saying, "Yep, I played a good match. It was a tough opponent, whatever." Oh, really? You're gonna go ahead and say that your opponent played pathetic and you didn't play that great? I mean, that's that's definitely like that's stirring the pot a little bit there. That's way more interesting than the standard, oh, he played a great match, he deserves the win. I agree. It, it, it's just, it's interesting. It's crazy to watch how it explodes from the moment he says these things to being clipped and replayed and quoted. And it, it's, it's like, I'm not trying, I'm not sitting in the press room trying to get a juicy quote that'll make anyone look bad or make the sport ever look bad. I'm always trying to be, I guess, not just not, not positive, but get the truth out, like the both sides always. And, and a lot of press, I think, or a lot of reporters maybe ask these questions to try and get the players to say something a bit scandalous, or they're trying to get a scoop, or they're trying to get them to, to, to fill a certain role in their stories. It, it just kind of depends on, depends on what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. 
But I can see how also like being in the press room can get sick and you get get tired of it and it gets old and you're repetitive. But some of the players are excited to be there. I think it's cool to get your voice heard. I think with players that aren't as ranked as high or they're or they're really young and they're really new to the tour, they get really excited to be in the, you know in the big press rooms and and to to have their their platform. It, it's really a platform. Agreed. I will 100% agree with that because I remember the first time I was in the big guy, the big press room at the U.S. Open. I just won a huge match. And I had, I think I want to say like over 20 to 30 um, reporters out there asking me questions. And I was so new to this whole process that one of the reporters, after the fact, after I was done with all the questions, actually stopped me as I was going out the door. And he started asking me questions and he's like, do you think I could get your email or your phone number and maybe continue having this conversation? And I was about to give it to him, not knowing at all that you're not supposed to be giving your number out to press. And uh, it was funny, my coach at the time, he just totally stopped me. He's like, "Um, you can speak to the WTA press person like she's not giving you her number. And uh, it's just so funny. I was it was probably, you know, his. It was his lack of professionalism to be asking for my phone number at that specific time. But also, I was just so naive and such a newbie in that whole area that I was honestly like, I enjoyed every single second of it. Every time I'm impressed, I love it just because it's not that common. But I can't even imagine someone that has to deal with it every single day and get scrutinized if they lose a very tough uh, match or if you're supposed to win a match and you lose it. I mean, it's got to be tough. I think even some of the big players get get caught up in it. I mean, recently Nadal has been, you can sense he's wary of us. You can sense he's tired of people twisting his words. I want to say maybe it was because of the, his comments about um, women and, and equality and all that that got blown out of proportion. He's And, and English isn't even his first language, so I think it's harder for him. And he you can sense the wariness. But at the same time, it's also fun to have a player like you or someone someone else, like anyone that's new to it, that's excited. And they kind of they speak from the heart. They're, they're so open. They're so They're so talkative. Versus, you know, someone like Serena, who was very short and very, very careful with her words. It's just, it's, it, and then and asking for your number is completely, completely unprofessional. But at the same time, some, some, some reporters are just trying to build relationships with players so they can have, you know, either they want the scoop and have these special quotes and the special angle, or they just want to build relationships with players so that they can have ease of access, you know, later down the road. It depends. It depends. I, I, I think from my perspective, like what I want, at every tournament I go to is one-on-one time with players. I want to sit down. I want to talk to them for five minutes or six minutes or, or maybe, God forbid, ten minutes and really have a heart-to-heart because when you're sitting with someone one-on-one, you really get a sense of who they are and you kind of relate to each other a little bit more. And when you're sitting in these big, huge rooms, like the U.S. Open one, where they're on a, literally they're on a stage above us and they have their, you know, their, their, their handlers everywhere and they have, maybe their mom's in the room and you're all a big group and you have to pass the microphone and raise your hand. I mean, the awkwardness is... It's so palpable. It's so tense in there. From our perspective, you know, all of us kind of judging each other's questions. And then, God forbid, you trip up on a question. It's recorded live on Facebook. I mean, the tension in there is insane. But the one-on-ones are, are what, why I do this, is to get this, at, to get this chance to talk to someone and really get to know them as a person. And my, my favorite recent interview was, was Petkovic, as I mentioned last time, but also at Tsitsipas. I got like four or five minutes with him at the City Open before he even made any of these runs, before he made the semis there, before he made the final in Toronto. And I was like, this kid's going to do well. This is someone we should watch. I did a little brief with him, talked to him for five minutes. And it's kind of fun to get to be there and, and interview someone so closely versus these like awkward press rooms where everyone's usually angry. 
I can't even imagine what it would be like. I actually remember you telling me at the U.S. Open a few years ago when you were first starting out and you were like, I didn't even ask any questions at all. I don't want that microphone. I'm just going to go off of whatever everyone else is doing. And obviously you had your very unique perspective on whatever the answer was from the player. But I remember at first, I'm, I can't even imagine how scary that must be to be in a press room and all eyes are on you. And uh, I remember seeing on Facebook not too long ago, I think it was either Verdasco or I can't remember who it was or, oh no, it was uh, Mahoop. He was asked uh, whether, Mahoop was asked if he enjoyed playing out there and is he enjoying his win? And he had actually lost the match. So, oh, that happens a lot, actually. That happens surprisingly often. I think there was one Burdage time where someone was like, uh, yeah, he actually lost. Yeah, so I can't even imagine what that would be like because, you know, after that, he is shunned. Mahu is never going to want to answer a question from him ever again just because of one incident. Most of the times, I don't think they remember faces, but I think in that case, he's going to remember that guy. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I would never forget him. The press player relationship is something that's I've been thinking about a lot. Just, just because you get the sense that they want, they want to get out of there so quickly. Like a lot of times the press room is just a hurdle between them going home. Like I get it, but it's also a hurdle for us because we need to get these quotes to do our, our jobs. So I think sometimes maybe players will forget that this is our careers as well. I mean, that's selfish of me to say, but but it's how I feel. Like We're not trying to, to ruin them. We're not trying to, well, most of us are not trying to become famous and gain Twitter followers. So what I'm trying to do is is my job. And, and it's it's tough when, I mean, Zarev put himself in that position, but also like he's going to be fine. He's 21 years old. There's not there's no issues from this. He, he said some stuff that I don't think he even regrets. I think he was being honest. And I think that's great as well. But it's just it's just like every single week you have these situations between press and and, and one of the one of the things I notice as well is is how like when I when I go to a tournament with you and like we're friends obviously like I know Irina Falcone as a player but I know her as one of my best friends and I want to go in the player lounge and have dinner with you I'm not allowed to because media isn't allowed in certain parts of tournaments and in Toronto I had no idea how serious they were they had these chips in our credentials that tracks everywhere you go so it, it, it's interesting how how we're separated like you know media can't go in certain parts of like certain you can't go in the player lounge, obviously, but you can't go in the dining room. You can't go in like certain bathrooms. You can't go down certain hallways. It's all a very interesting experience on the inside that maybe people don't know about. The inside, the, the behind the scenes of how these, these stories that you're reading or these videos that you're watching, how they're actually made. It's definitely a, an interesting kind of thing because, like I said, I, I've told you many times, I'm like, hey, why don't you just come in with me and you can just get a credential through me. But at the same time, you know your role, you know you're you're a journalist, and you also don't want to have players seeing you there and being like, hey, why is she in here? So I I honestly, I can't even imagine what it's like because you said it yourself. You said, we are trying to do a job as well. You know, you have deadlines, you have all these requirements that you have to do. I remember one of the things you told me that after a match, sometimes you have to wait two hours for a player to come to press and that is really unfortunate for you guys because you've been waiting all day and you're just waiting for one specific match to write your story on. And all of a sudden you have to wait an additional two hours. And it's, it's definitely a give and take, I would say, but um, I think you're one of the rare ones where you're actually trying to see the, the positive aspect of, uh, of different tennis players out there because a lot of journalists, trust me, they just want that five second tidbit. 
a lot of them don't even play tennis, which is baffling. And I'm not judging anyone, but a lot of players get the sense that reporters don't understand what they're going through, or maybe don't even understand the sport that well I've had. I had a reporter come up to me once and ask me what an ATP 500 meant. I'm like, how do you not, how are you credentialed and don't know what that is? That makes no sense to me. But maybe, like, I wouldn't know a single thing about a football game or a soccer game, and I could easily see myself getting, you know, shoving yourself into a tournament or a match or whatever. There, I mean, there's ways to get in. If Once you're pressed, you're kind of pressed in sports you can kind of get away with anything but it 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 just it's just such a from my perspective it's tough because i'm i know players some of them personally and you know i'm not trying to go to the dining room and listen in on people's conversations and tweet out some scandalous breaking news that's not what i'm about but it it there's so many rules and so many ways and so many um i guess roadblocks that are all set up to protect the players and to protect the media i think also from themselves it's kind of both Okay, that's enough about press ramblings. Um, and I'm still hung up on Zverev and Tsitsipas because their match was insane, one, but also because of the concept of playing somebody younger than you. Zverev is 21 years old and never plays anyone, I think, younger than him. And Tsitsipas is this hot, oncoming guy, upcoming guy who's only 16 months younger than him, but that's a sizable gap. And he had four years of tour level experience on him. Tsitsipas is in his second year. I mean, he's so green. He had this huge two weeks. And then what. From your, from, from your playing perspective, how tough it is to play somebody younger than you? At this point, you're 28, so I guess a lot of people are younger than you. Do you get over it? Uh, no, I still don't get over it. Um, a few years ago, I was actually 26 or 25 at the time, and um, I became pretty close with uh, Cece Bellis. And at that time, I mean, she was either 15 or 60, and I would call her a fetus. I was like, you are just ridiculously young. I mean... I was, you're, you're straight up 10 years younger than me. And that, that is super strange. But, um, I think that with that, we also have a bunch of experience. We just, we're veterans. And so you do get used to it at this point, you know, everybody is pretty much either younger than you or older than you. You just have to get over it. I feel like there's a point where it just stops being as big as a deal. Like if you're 20 years old and you're playing a 15 year old, that is going to feel like a horribly big deal and a lot of pressure. But if you're 28 years old and you're playing someone 22, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of both adults and you're probably both ranked in the top 200. You're probably both equally as dedicated to the game. There's a bit more of, I think more of a line merging, but I guess with, with Zverev, I think it's a very specific particular situation because he is this young sensation top five in the world. I mean, he is, sitting on top of the world and to have anyone challenging him who's younger than him, it must just feel insanely weird. I will say, I mean, I, uh, it's gotta be tough, especially for men to play someone younger than you. And then he played someone, uh, younger than him against, uh, Deminer in the finals of city open. And, uh, that's gotta be tough as well. I mean, he's definitely going to encounter some more experiences like that, where you just get someone that's hot. And the thing about, Sisipas, he knows that he's going in, nothing to lose. He's probably going to play a little better than he would typically play. but And he's proving himself, obviously. But uh, that's, I think, the biggest thing. When you're young and you're fresh, you just have absolutely nothing to lose. And you're going out there just free-hitting. It was cool watching him because I was in D.C. and I was in Toronto. It was cool watching him progress across the two weeks because he started off with no expectations. He told me he was thrilled. He was in the top 50, almost top 30. He was like, I can't believe I'm here. I started the year in the 90s. This is crazy. Now he's top 15 in a matter of eight days. I mean, it, it, it's it's honestly so fun. It's so fun. And he's such a humble guy. And he's 
he's got a personality and he's got a vlog. He's uh, he's only 20, so he's he's grown up with social media and having a vlog for him is probably very natural. But it's it's a different perspective, a different new face. And interviewing him was a lot of fun. But again, like I'm 29 years old chasing a 19-year-old and now he's 20. But at the time he was 19 for a quote. But I don't feel like... I don't know. I don't feel like, oh, I'm chasing someone younger than me. This is weird. I should feel bad. Like, my career is weird. I'm chasing kids. But I feel like I'm, you know, I'm looking at a, at a professional athlete. Like, he's he's a professional athlete ranked in the top 100. He's, I have so much respect for anyone who's playing tennis. It doesn't matter what their age is from, my, from, from what I'm doing. But it's it was definitely fun because he's still a little bit green. He's still a bit more honest in his press conferences. He'll say, you know, I'm living the dream. Like, I can't believe this. Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus Christ. You know, it's just... It's a bit more personality. I hope I hope he doesn't get too jaded. I hope he I hope he sticks to his his personality as it is because it's it's so refreshing. Yeah, that's the part where you want to just maintain your originality, but at the same time you also want to be good for media. Um, that's got to be a tough balance. I mean, there's a lot of people. Someone like Feder, just I love hearing him speak. I mean, he can go on for hours, and he, I always felt that he has no problem giving his opponents credit. He just has so much fun with the press almost. That's what I feel when I've seen him. Um, and then you have other people that just can be complete jackasses on towards the press, which is unfortunate, but you know, that also brings out your personality as well. It happens. You get both. Federer is definitely one of the most well-spoken people out there. He really does answer each question with a long, long paragraph and a lot of thought and a lot of insight and he's never really one to slack in those things he's always going to give us full attention which is incredible because he's obviously been around for decades and then and you know, this player like Nick Kyrgios he was in press and around and he was not in the mood for it but I really I, I don't I never hate on them for that I really understand like you're not in the mood you don't want you're being you get fine if you don't show up. So, you know, Nick Kyrgios putting on performances like he did in Toronto and press is bad for his image. It's bad for fans that are following him. But it's also the way he felt at that time and what he wanted to do and what he was in the mood for. And that's just him being honest. So I guess it's, a, like you said, a delicate balance between, hey, I want to give a good impression and have a good voice and, you know, contribute to the world. But also, like, I'm tired. I want to go home. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I honestly, I couldn't agree more delicate balance is the perfect metaphor i guess so stefanos is a youngster obviously made a big name for himself and but he's he's greek and we're heading into the not that that's a bad thing that's an awesome thing great country i've been there it's so fun unbelievable food unbelievable islands like the coolest place to be from but we're heading into the u.s open and that makes us think about americans and obviously about you know who is the next big american that's going to crack or going to break through at the u.s open but particular the young players. I feel like the past few weeks there's been a lot of talk about Francis Tiafo, and that's somebody that trains in Lake Nona, somebody that you actually have seen on the courts. I don't think you guys actually practice together, but do you have any thoughts on any big young Americans that maybe might have a breakthrough in the next few weeks? Well, to be honest, I think we're still waiting on some of the announcements regarding the wild cards for the main draw of the U.S. Open. Um, but I know that Anne Lee actually had a phenomenal two weeks. Um, she was actually in the in contention for the U.S. Open main draw wild card. And she made, I believe, the semis of this past weekend in Landisville. And then she also made finals of Lexington, another 60K. So she is a young gun to definitely be on the lookout for. And Isimova is someone that you should definitely be on the lookout for. Um, she ended up having to stop either at Indian Wells or Miami due to an ankle injury. 
But she is back. She went and qualified and beat Kiang Wong in San Jose, which was a great win for her. Um, and Ashley Kratzer is another one. S- hits the ball harder than all the top girls out there. I mean, she's definitely um, – she's got a lot of power behind her strokes. Um, so those three definitely come to mind. Uh, Claire Liu is another one that's been playing really well. There's definitely a lot of young girls that are coming up and playing really well. So I wouldn't be surprised if all of them have some pretty good runs at the U.S. Open. It's going to be fun to watch. It's, it, it's cool that there's both men and women that are that are on the rise and, and, and locals, so to speak, in New York. There'll be um, – Sophia Kennan is someone that I actually remember when she was like five or six years old. She was training in Florida and someone that I – I mean, she was so dedicated to the game back then. It's so great to see that it's it's worked out for her, that this path has, has you know, prospered instead of it, you know, not working out because she was so full on in from literally like a toddler. And then you mentioned – you yeah, yeah, she was she was training a lot. I mean, like so so dedicated. And then looking um, – you mentioned Cece Bellis, but unfortunately she's actually out with an injury, I think a, a wrist injury, which is really unfortunate because the U.S. Open is where she had her big breakthrough years ago when she was just 15, as you said, a fetus. Yes, very much so. That's where she went and she knocked out uh, Sabolkova. And that was pretty much, I mean, it was an overnight kind of stardom. It was so good to see like someone so young go out there and just have absolutely no fear against a top player. The U.S. Open is really a, a good stage that she chose for that breakthrough because, you know, you can you can pick up fame and become a face, a new face in the sport so quickly at a slam, especially if you're an American playing at the U.S. Open. But there's also so much pressure. Like these wild cards have been, are going to be dished out in the next, I guess I assume they'll be announced in the next few days. But one player won the wild card. Um, Asia Mohammed won the wild card playoffs, and it comes down to the wire. But playing for the U.S. So it's, it's the wild card series, um, wild card U.S. Open series challenge where a few tournaments in the summer will count to your point total. And if you have the most points at the end of this series, you win a wild card into the main draw, which is a huge deal. So, I mean, you've won this wild card before. How How is that pressure when you're, not only are you playing like a 50K or a 60K now and trying to win each one that you can to get these points, but then maybe you lose in the finals or semis, or I guess in the semis, and then you have to watch and see somebody else. Hopefully they lose so that you get the wild card. It's like the pressure and the anxiety of your own matches and everybody else who's in contention, right? Yeah. Um, so I have won the wild card challenge for the French open and for the Australian open. And I remember there was one time, uh, where I was pretty much just on pins and needles watching this girl play because it all just depended on whether or not she was going to win or lose the match. It came down to the wire and she ended up losing the match. And I ended up getting the wild card because she lost that match. And, uh, you know, I was pretty close to like the cut, but um, I still would have needed the wild card to get in. And she actually wrote me a few days um, after getting the wild card, after obviously everything had gone through and I was announced that I was getting the wild card. And she wrote me and she was like, hey, um, you know that there's a couple of 25s or a couple of 50s at the end of the end of this month that you could go play. You could just get in on your own and then I can get the wild card. And, uh, you know, it was just so funny because it, there was so much on the line and uh, I ended up not going to those tournaments and I ended up using the wild card. But I mean, she and she she was not able to go to the Australian Open because she didn't have a wild card. So and her ranking wasn't good enough. So there is a lot on the line when you are playing for a wild card for a slam. I mean, it's fifty four thousand dollars if you lose first round. 
93,000 if you win. So there's a lot to play for. That's so intense. And you're you're playing against players that you've probably known your whole life or at least you're you're friendly with. Everyone's this is an American playoff challenges for these grand slams. I mean, you're playing your friends for this this chance and you're you're doing it across weeks. It's just it just seems so intense but also like such a huge reward. I mean, right now like when that player gets gets the US Open and, and gets the main draw and gets to play this match and takes some of them check, I mean, it's all worth it. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think you're going to be upset about cashing a $54,000 check. Probably never. Probably. Okay, so that's it for this episode of the Tennis.com podcast, Inside Tennis with Nina Pantic. That's me. And Irina Falcone. That's me. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back next week with another episode. And we actually have some guests planned to be on the podcast during the U.S. Open. So that'll be really exciting. Um, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud, as well as we'll be on Tennis.com. And we're really glad you guys come and join us on this podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Inapantic1. And Irina's on Twitter and Instagram at Irina Falcone. Thanks for listening to us this week, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. Take care. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.